You're listening to the Got Game University podcast. This podcast puts you in the classroom and lets you learn from some of the best hunters and callers in the woods. Hi, this is Taylor and Ryan with Got Game Tech. Got Game Tech is a software development company that builds mobile apps that teach hunters how to call and hunt different animals. Hello, elk hunters. Welcome to another episode of the Elk Nut series on the Got Game University podcast. Ryan Smith with you here, and uh, joining us tonight again is Paul Medell. How are you doing, Paul? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks, Ryan. It's good to have you tonight, and uh, we're excited to talk about elk again and, uh, you know, really dive into, you know, over-the-counter elk hunting success. Uh, But to start tonight, uh, we had a question that we ended our last podcast episode with. Uh, you want to give that question and see if any of our viewers, uh, you know, were thinking about it and answer it for them? Yeah, sure. No problem. <clears throat> the question was about why do bulls pant? And uh, I can tell you right now, it's not because they're thirsty or, or, or they're tired. Bulls will usually uh, show, show that expression of pant where they're kind of heaving and it's kind of like this. <laughs> And you'll hear bulls make that sound from time to time, and, and, and but they never just do it out of nowhere. It generally, a, a bugle can follow it or precede it, but a pant generally shows an expression of excitement. It can show slight frustration uh, if, if you've been cow calling a bull and you're not coming quick enough. Sometimes you'll hear them pant before they'll even give a chuckle or maybe even a short scream to, to try to encourage you with you know more determination to get over there and 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 that's usually when you'll hear the pant when 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 their original message isn't being responded to in a favorable time frame uh you'll hear a bull do it to another bull uh if a bull is uh if you're challenging a bull especially in an area or for his cows a lot of times as you're going through that bugle scenario all of a sudden he'll hit you with some hard pants as he throws a scream and see it's he's he's denoting his frustration or even his excitement over the situation at hand so that's when we as hunters would also want to incorporate that and as a matter of fact i can remember several instances where it was the pant that finally sealed the deal and made the herd bull come storming right at us and it's really? on several occasions. Oh, yeah, the pant is so deadly. And, and huh. again, they can use it at times as well. But, but knowing what it means and what it represents will help a hunter to know when to inject it. You don't just do it anywhere or anytime. It's kind of a timing thing. And, but done at the right time, it really helps to, to sell you and your position to that bull that you're really an elk. Yeah, it just adds that more, I guess, realism to your calling scenario absolutely that we talk about all the time uh is so it's just used so they're either excited because they're you know they're trying to get a cow call coming into them or they're either frustrated because a a bull's challenging them trying to come in that's that's, or you're challenging them or you're challenging them yeah you know it's something that you don't generally hear until you're into the conversation with them so to speak it's usually right. not the very first sound that comes out of their mouth. It's usually over a couple of minutes, and you're being going back and forth, and you're trying to convince him, you know, whether you have a cow or you're challenging him. And finally, all of a sudden, you'll hear the pants come in, 
And and so it shows you his level of emotion and where he's at in his mindset. And he's ready to explode is what he's right. really doing. He's, he, he's, he's, you know, he's infuriated over the situation, even if it's a bull or another cow, because they're not reacting the way he wants them to. He wants them to come or he wants them to leave. A cow, he wants them to come. Bull, he wants them to leave. Get out of there. So, he's, you know, understanding the, the, the situation you are in. And, 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 and most of the time I'm beating him to it. I'm, I'm using that sound before he does. I'm letting him know that my emotions are taking over right there. And the, and the point is, is that when you use it, it's something that's so real to them and sells them. And this is so important in, in all these over the counter units that we hunt. And that's, this is why I have such an array of sounds, Ryan, is because you have to, you know, when you're working bulls that, that, that are being uh, harassed a lot by different hunters that were there before you or the day before or after you, whatever, they start getting educated or disciplined to a lot of the generic cow calling, bugling, no matter what. So as we right. come in and, 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 and we may be using different sounds, but we're only using sounds that a lot of times that another bull would use and, and, and working those herd bulls or even the satellites at that time, I've noticed over the years that when you're dealing with over-the-counter elk, you have to be more persistent. You're going to be expected to work harder to bring that bull in as opposed right. to a draw unit where these elk see very few people. You don't have to work them nearly as hard and as long. And and, and that's about the only difference I see. The call-in strategies pretty much stay the same. Okay. Well, it all I could think about when, when the elk pant, are they usually running around kind of panting – pacing back and forth showing their frustration too and sounds and uh raking trees too are those do those go hand in hand we talked a little about about you know rubbing trees and showing dominance and i've heard panting and rubbing trees together is that a do do you usually hear those together or do you try to make those sounds together when you're in that scenario oh you know it's something you can do absolutely it all just depends on, 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 on if I feel that's the way to go. You know, again, I don't just throw the sound out because it's an elk sound. I'm using it because I can tell the, the, the mood he's in or how intensive hit uh, the intensity of his bugle. You see, again, it's, right. it's all about emotion, but I can tell where he's at. Now, if I got a bull just to answer, I've been working him with a slow play 10, 12 minutes, and finally he answers the cow sound because that is the sound he normally answers. And, and, and even after 10, 12, 15 minutes of me working him up, uh, working the situation, I should say, where it's me and the cow, me and the cow, me and the cow, me and the cow. And it really does get that monotonous, me and the cow, me and the cow. As I'm really working and talking to this cow, and she's talking to me, and we're going back and forth in my displaying sequence, as I'm doing it, Usually when the cow sound comes out is when he, you know, and I may have used that cow sound three or four times by then, but usually after it's been in their ways, that's when he fires off. So I'm not going to really be panting to, to him. I'm panting maybe of the situation showing my excitement over this cow I have in my presence that's mm -hmm. coming into heat. So see, my pant is 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 directed to her. How it couldn't be directed to the other bull yet because he's never said anything. So obviously right. I'm not talking to him. It's just me and her. But the situation can turn where now I can use it to him as I get him worked up because usually his first bugle is trying to call that cow. So I don't just start panting. 
You know, right. it doesn't mean you can't, but there's no reason for it. You, it's a timing thing. You want it to be a home run almost when you finally do use it. It's like the thing that can tip the scales. And so it, 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 it's real important for the use of that as well as a glunk or, or a challenge or a lip ball. And, and that's where I believe a lot of hunters make mistakes. You'll see them, their very first sound to a bull, and they're already lip balling. They're challenging them crazy. Right. And, you know, unless that is just the right bull for that call, you will just blow so many elk out of there, especially over the counter, being hunted by other hunters. Now, if you're way back in and these guys, these elk are seeing nobody, you know, you can get away with murder. You really can. You can get away with so right. much that they'll buy. And then what happens? These same people that were calling elk that see few hunters are all of a sudden now they're, they're, they're hunting elk. They're getting hammered all the time and they're trying that same strategy and they're losing bull after bull after bull. And they don't understand why, because these bulls are savvy to stuff that are just a challenge bugle on the generic cow call. Whereas these other bulls weren't, they weren't dis disciplined to that kind of calling. So they were more right. apt to come in. Well, and you know, you've talked about this before, you know, the different levels you talked about. I use it when I read the bull. I know where that bull's level is at. And you've talked about, is that bull level one or a level eight or a level nine? Because when it gets higher levels, I, from what it sounds like, uh, when it's those higher levels, it's when you'll start using that pant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and it's the same as if, if you were trying to do a comparison, like if you were talking to an individual that was getting on your nerves, you know, as you raise your voice and maybe even get into a yelling mode, you don't start that way. It usually it, it, it starts to elevate to that point. And a little bit of time can go by unless it's a situation where, where, where fire is just the first thing that comes out of both of you. But that's right. rare, rare, rarely the case. It usually things build momentum. And, and, and that's what I mean. And, and, and if you're trying to push your weight around, a lot of it can be through your tone. You know, and that's what you're doing with the bull is it's through your tone or if you're if you're reprimanding a dog, you a dog knows it, heck, it doesn't know your words. It knows the tone of your voice. It can tell if you're happy with them. It can tell if you're upset right. with them. You know, it's things like that. And, 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 yeah, you can yell at your dog. That was bad. Or you can really raise your voice and show your displeasure for whatever the case may be. And it's things like that. When you start to correlate those things and you see how your pet can actually respond, you start seeing that this is what elk are doing. They're doing the same thing. So if I'm going to pant or something like that, it's usually at a certain level of emotion on both sides before I right. re realize that I have to use it. And especially if I think he's closing the distance or I'm close enough where this could be explosive. I'm not doing this at 300 yards away. I mean, he probably won't even right. hear it. It's just too far. So as as the situation tightens and gets intensified, that's when you start using things like that right there. And, right. and, and again, this, this is what I mean by saying it's a timing thing. No, that, that makes sense. I, uh, you know, I, panting isn't something I've used a whole lot in the woods, but I can uh, definitely see the realism in using that. And I have Well, especially if you watch that. bulls do it. When you see yep. them do it, and you see when they do it and why they do it, then it becomes easier for the hunter to grasp a hold of that. And, and, and if you go and watch a lot of different YouTube videos, you will find bulls doing this. And look at their mood. Look at what it took to get them to that. Look where they're injecting that pant. I mean, there's right. a lot of videos on YouTube you can watch elk uh, hunts 
from anybody out there, and maybe most of them don't even realize that's what the bull's doing. But if you start looking for it, you'll start seeing a lot of that elk behavior and their mannerisms and when they're raking and all kinds of things. They don't just do it because it's an elk thing. They're doing it for a reason. And so as we as hunters understand that we're doing a specific thing for a reason, this makes okay. it so real to the bull. I mean, this is where he starts separating you from, oh, you're not an imposter. You're the real thing. You see, that's the right. difference right there. Well, well, and that's what we're all, you know, trying to do is, you know, sound like a real bull. Uh, you, you did bring up raking in there, Paul. Uh, last episode, you taught, you wanted to, uh, you know, cover that a little bit more. You said uh, raking trees isn't just a show dominance. And I think that's when, you know, my understanding of raking is, you know, it's a dominant thing. Uh in the heat of those moments, like you're talking about, uh, you mentioned there was other reasons to rake or bulls rake for a different reason. Can you explain that to us a little bit? Yeah. And, you know, to say raking isn't a dominance, it's not that it's not a dominance. It's not. Right. The point is, it's not always a dominant thing. Okay. And, and, and it's right. even, yeah. And even with bulls that are sparring around and dinking around, you'll notice bulls will do that outside of the rut before i mean before they just you know they're teenager type things but when a bull starts raking he's he's doing it for a purpose usually and 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 it's like if he starts to rake because you've been cow calling him and you're moving in have you ever done that where you start a cow calling you could hear a bull raking I, i don't know if you've ever been in that situation I don't know if I have, Paul, actually, to tell you the truth. And, and that's good because, you know, you, you you haven't been hunting for 40 years, you know, elk hunting right. like that. <laughs> and it's not something you see or hear all the time. But at, over a period of time, as it goes by, it's nice to know that, that we don't just see it once or twice. We start seeing it on a lot of different scales or, you know, it, it happens in a lot of different situations. So you start getting a feel for it that it doesn't just have one meaning. Yes, bulls will rake to challenge another bull. Bulls will rake to to try to persuade another bull to stay back. You know, he's doing it for – it's a challenging thing, but it's also, like you say, the dominance. And don't you dare come any closer. But a bull will also rake as he's inviting a cow to come over, especially a new cow who he doesn't know by her sound. And so he starts displaying and showing off for her to encourage her to draw her closer. You see, a bull will also go into a wallow. A lot of times bulls will hit wallows, and then they come out and they just start raking and raking, and they're raking nearby trees, nearby brush, and no other bulls even around. Nothing's challenging. No cows. There's nothing there. So why is he doing that? You see, and that's the things you have to look at. Okay, here's a situation of bulls raking, and there's nothing even there. But he's right. feeling his oats, and, he's, and, and he'll even mark the area because bulls have a scent gland up on their forehead. And it's above their eyes. It's right on their forehead. And a lot of times they'll leave a calling card like that, whether it's at mm. a tree or a wallow or whatever. And, and they'll leave that that scent there. And if another bull comes in, he'll do the same thing. So as bulls start trading off and they're hitting a wallow, then they're not there for three or four days. And another bull, come, they can smell it. Who was there? And they and they know who each other is by their sound, sight or smell. And so they know, oh, that was Joe, that was George, this is Frank, you know, they really do. They know each other. And so the raking is I was here type of thing. He's not trying to fight and beat up a tree to the point where he's dominant over it. It's just, (laughs) no, they start feeling their oats just like horses do. Again, 
There's times when they are challenging and raking towards another bull to ward him off. Or sometimes they're not even trying to ward him off. Two bulls will get and they'll size each other up as the dominant bull, not necessarily for that area, but just in general. And a lot of bulls can do this. It's not just two. And so this is what's happening. You'll see them when they're raking their the velvet off their antlers. You know, and they're not, there's no dominance. There's really nothing going on at that time. It's when I say dominance, I mean a threatening thing to one another. They'll display for one another and get their pecking order down. The rubber in their velvet is sensitive. There's blood in the antlers. It's starting to dry. And they can get the velvet off now without injuring themselves or feeling pain. And and as the blood leaves the antlers, the pain is reduced dramatically. If they tried to rake when the blood is still fully in their in their racks, oh my goodness, it'd be so painful. That's why right. they don't do anything at that stage. But again, you can see them doing it wallows. You can see them walk trails. A lot of times when I'm finding some really good trails and I can see them leading to, uh, from the feeding to bedding or bedding to feeding, I want to know if there's a bull in there. How do I know? Because a lot of times I can't see them hunting dark timber. So if I start walking these trails, usually within a few hundred yards, I know if there's a bull there or not because he starts raking the trees. And he'll just do that. He doesn't pick the same tree. It's just random. Maybe here's a bull bugle a mile away, and he's just feeling the oats in himself, and he'll just stop and he just start raking. Or he'll go and just start raking on his own because he's feeling the urges of the rut coming on. He knows he's ready to breed. The cows aren't coming in yet, but they feel it. Their testosterone levels are up one day, down another, up again. And so he'll stop and just rake a tree as he's walking that trail. And a lot of times you'll walk some of these trails where they're leading in and out from feeding to bedding, watering, and there's no rubs anywhere, nothing. And, and, and if you really start following them, you'll find there's no bull in there. They're not there yet. It's just the cows. But as the bull right. starts entering the equation, all of a sudden you start seeing these rakes here, here. I mean, in a half a mile stretch, you might hit 12 of them, and they're all over yeah, the place. That's true. And so this is what happens. You know, I start looking for these signs. And I'm just like, okay, there's a bull with these cows right here. Or a lot of times you'll have just satellites following these groups. And they could be a group of four or five elk. They could be 25 elk. Who knows? You know, every area is different, especially on these over-the-counter hunts. These satellites will follow these elk in and out day after day, sometimes two or three days. It all depends. And why are they doing that? They're scent checking the cows. As they go in and out, they want to smell if she's coming into heat because as she urinates, it will emit that pheromone chemical and they can start smelling it well as they're doing it they still have the same urges as a herd bull they'll stop and they'll rake and thrash around and beat this doesn't mean they're trying to knock the trees down but you'll just see where they're rubbing things and and as you go down these trails you start seeing the heights of some of these rubs and you can tell wow this is two or three bulls doing this you can see this one bull right. his height is the same on all this and all of a sudden there's some lower ones not quite as much because they're more like satellites they're younger bulls are not as big. And so you start getting a good read of the area of what's what's there without ever having a camera on it. So you, you see what I mean? There's just so many uh-huh. different ways and reasons why they rake, when they rake, and where they rake. But in a lot of cases, when a bull is raking in that nonchalant manner, he's emitting that uh, scent gland. But when he's raking and thrashing because he's being challenged by another bull, it's almost really they're not even thinking about emitting that scent gland. It's just they're fired up and they're thrashing, hitting everything, you see. But in in these other manners, they're much more subdued and they're doing it on their own leisure time, feeling whatever feeling inside of them. So you start getting an idea of what's happening over there and you can look and see – 
when they're thrashing things around, how much of destruction is there? It tells you how much time they've spent there. Is it barely a rub? Is it one where you look at it and go, oh, my God, that guy had to be here for 40 minutes to do that kind of <laughs> terror. And I've seen it like that where the ground's tore up and the trees are tore up. I've seen where bushes were completely yanked out of the ground. I mean, it literally he had to spend time in there. And why? You could tell there was really no other, no other activity there. It was just a bull. But they'll do things like that, and usually those kind of bulls, they're not very far away. When they do that kind of destruction, they're somewhere within earshot usually. They're not far from a bedding area. And, and, you know, I weigh all these things up as I'm walking through the woods, so it's not all just about calling a lot of times. The calling is the, is the finale. That's what gets the arrow in the bull. But reading the sign of everything else is telling me if the elk are close by. Because you can tell by the rubs. You can tell if those things are a week old or if it's just fresh right. and you can smell the pine scent and there's sap oozing, still moving. I mean, you can see all this stuff. And then there's some, you know, that's it, it's hard to distinguish. I'll admit that, especially as the bark starts drying and it gets crispy. Then you know that this took place a while ago. But how long, you know? It's hard to say if it rained a lot, didn't rain a lot. Was it dry? You know what I mean? A lot of things come right. into play there. And so, but I like the trails that I see a lot of rubs going on because I know there's a bull. He's on one end or the other, that trail. And, and sooner or later, you're going to find him. And, and and so anyway, as far as rubs go and, 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 re, and, and emitting that scent gland at certain areas, wallows, water holes are a really good spot because they really like leaving their calling cards there or the trails are really good. Uh, you know, leaving their calling cards there it's much more so than in a challenging situation when you and I just show up and we get them all fired up and, and, and it's more of a display right there. It's more of a, right. you better stay back or else type thing. So anyway, yes, it, they it, rub for all kinds of reasons. <laughs> and so elk rub and all kinds of reasons. When, when are you using this, uh, I guess, rubbing trees and stuff, Paul, is there, is it just in that uh, situation where you're, uh, trying to fire up that bull and uh, show dominance, or are you using it different times during your hunt? No, you know, unfortunately, I don't have that scent gland on my forehead. I do know that. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I'm only really using it for a couple of reasons. I'm not walking the trails and rubbing everywhere for no reason. And so if I'm displaying for a cow and going through the the, the specific sounds like through a slow play, you see, I'm describing to anything that's within earshot of me of what's present with me and why I'm doing it. In this case, I'm trying to represent that I have a hot cow there. So, see, it's not a challenging situation, but it can turn into that. As soon, right. as, the, as, soon as you get the bull to, to, to inject his sound into your sequence, and he does. That's just it. Is I find using this slow play thing and breaking is part of it. The raking and the glunking and the chuckling and the panting. As I'm, but I'm not hitting them all together. You know, and right. I think when people read this and I try to describe it, they, they get the idea of they're just trying to throw the whole recipe of ing or ingredients in the recipe all at one time. When you don't, you space this <laughs> apart. You make it real. It's like you're answering and then you're showing your excitement. And the next thing you know, you're, you're hitting that cow. And that's when the bull answers you. Maybe it's the second or third series of cow sounds, and you're still going through the raking and, and the other bull sounds. But I'm not right. doing it in a racing pattern. I'm doing it in a more natural. I'm making the sound and raking, raking, no sounds for a couple of minutes. And then all of a sudden, maybe I'll start panting and panting and heaving and moaning through my bugle. And I like doing a lot of groaning through it. And it just... 
you know, and it just sells it that this is what's going on. And once you hit that cow sound, it seems like that's when you finally get the bull that you knew was there because you heard him bugle once or whatever, or and you saw or you saw him walk into the cover. You see, and again, like I've explained before, this is for those less excited, no non-rutting bulls, not the ones that are already fired up and bugling everywhere. You don't have to go through all that. They're already at that level of aggressive action that you can really right. start taking it to them. And so it's for the harder bulls to call in. And and, and so that's kind of what's going on right there. And, and that, I, that's, I imagine that's why you call it the slow play is because, you know, they're, they're harder. They're, you've actually got to work them a little longer. Cause really not, hard. Really, really, no. really hard. You must be very persistent. You have to, you have to believe in yourself that, and have the confidence that you need to play this out. Because if you don't, and you and you don't do it in in five, six, seven minutes with nothing happening, you get bored, and you know yeah. I could be over here instead. I need to keep going. There's nothing here. They they're gone now. They're really not. They're right there. And I mean. <laughs> just bull after bull after bull after bull that we work, they're right there. They haven't gone anywhere. You just have to start arousing that instinct to breathe, arouse that tos- t- uh, testosterone level to start rising, and all of a sudden they're going to take part. Very rare, but I always throw that that uh, uh, part in where I say, you know, the qualifier. They could come sneaking in, but hardly ever does it happen. Right. But I always like to say that because you never know somebody – You need to be ready for it. Well, yeah, or another bull comes in that you didn't even know was there. The one you heard was over here, and all of a sudden one's coming in from over here that was here too and just never said anything. But you gained his interest, and here he comes. So people should always – you know, hunters should always be aware of their surroundings. And, 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 and even as the caller, as long as I have my bow there, some days I don't and when I'm, I'm the caller. But when I do, I knock an arrow right there. I mean, you never know, and I have it sitting up against a tree. It's not laying on the ground. It's sitting right there if I have to grab it at the ready because something could come sneaking in and not even go where the shooter is. You see, because, you know, here we're talking more caller-shooter thing. But if it's solo, like last time I had mentioned, you know, the, the caller is playing two roles. He's playing the caller and the shooter. And, and, and so you're going you're gonna to do that if it's necessary. But it seems like these days there's just so many guys that, that are tag-teaming. But Again, it works in either avenue. It makes no difference which way. You just have to be prepared ahead of time for that. Right. Well, when you said hunters just throw it all together and jumble it up, I've been there before. Right. You're panting, you're bugling, you're breaking, and it's all going on at the same time. (laughs) So it's it's good that you made that point that, you know, it's – it's set up realistically. It's not just yeah thrown okay. together and random. So, Paul, uh, you know, we've talked about the raking and the panting. Uh, those aren't things that you'd use in your, uh, I guess, everyday hunting 24-7. It's just certain scenarios you use those calls uh, or those sounds. Is there any other sound that's, I, I don't want to say similar because I don't want not mean the same thing, but a sound that uh, displays realism in the hunt that you don't use all the time, but there's uh, times and places to use them. Is there other sounds like those too? Well, you know, there's there's always something that you're tweaking. I, I would love to say that, you know, 
all you have to do is this or that and 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 it'll attract every elk but there's not but you know it's just like the nervous grunt you know that's a, that's another key sound that uh that we use in most cases it's used to stop the elk that uh is 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 usually walking by us we've called them in and, 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 and of course, you know, maybe the last sound he heard from us was 50 or 60 yards, but he's still on search mode and is, doesn't know exactly where we were, especially if we've cast a sound or something. So as he's coming in, he may hit a window, especially when you're hunting dark timber and you have to stop him. And, and, I, and I found that the nervous grunt is so much uh, more effective than a cow sound because so many times when we do a cow sound under pressure, it hardly ever sounds like a cow sound. It's like anything but a cow sound. Some of, <laughs> you sound like a mouse or a little squawk from a duck or because you're just excited and you're nervous. And I found that using the nervous grunt because of its loudness and its abrasive sound that it's easier to get that, you know, or, you know, something out like that more instead of just going, ah, ah, ah. you know, and people try to do things like that. And, and it's so quiet sometimes as a moving elk, he doesn't even hear you. And I have watched this happen, I don't know how many times, as he's coming through and they're trying to stop him with these cow sounds. And sometimes it just needs, you know, of a, ah! anything loud and abrasive can freeze them in their tracks. I'm not kidding you. It doesn't have to be the nervous grunt, but I like the nervous grunt because it, 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 it asks an action out of an elk. You see, whereas an abrasive sound of anything else is more of a shock and they stop. Right. But, the, but I can actually have elk un, in cover in that 30 40 in range and and no shot and ask them to come out and so yeah there's other sounds that that are a timing sound that that i may use uh, to accomplish my mission of getting that bow within that bull within bow range and the nervous grunt to me is the number one sound to draw a bull out or to freeze him or her a cow works on any of them they all make the sound and if i have a reed in my mouth it's like a Anything like that. Your voice, kind of a anything, you know. I mean, some days you make better ones than others, but right. I'm just trying to show you it, it's it's different than just a little mew. And and if you have your bugle, it's more of a. It's kind so of like can, a little bark. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Is it? Well, I call it a nervous grunt, nervous reaction. It can be called a nervous bark. Um, and when you give it in single note form like that, either myself or the or the elk, it's an inquisitive thing. They're not running. They're not leaving anything. It's when you hear that in repetition and they're hitting one after another, one after another, one, and they're leaving the area. You know, that's a bark. But when you hit them with that okay. one note like that, that's not a, a bar, a warning bark, I should say, where they need to exit or vacate the area. And usually when you're giving it, it's because it's right down to nitty gritty. An arrow's getting ready to fly, or you need them to take out that next step or two, and out they show themselves, and and that's the end. And let me tell you something, it works. This is one of the most valuable sounds, you know, you'll ever use. Cow sounds, they're as effective, uh, depending on the situation you're in or the message you're right. trying to send. It's not always about bull sounds, but it just seems like the bull sounds are the ones most people like to play on. They're the, they're the loudest, the most uh, aggressive, and, and they do work really well in the right situation. Well, and uh, you mentioned it demands an action. Uh, so that action is just mainly to for that bull to show himself. It asks for it a stops. visual. It asks for a visual or a satisfying response. 
so they know you're an elk. See, a lot of times you're going to hear that sound from a from an elk, cow or a bull, if you're moving through the woods and he's heard something or he or she has heard you or saw a faint movement and they can't identify it. So see, that's their nervous reaction. They'll 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 emit that single tone and wait for a satisfying visual or a response to calm them down that everything is a-okay. If it's a predator, they'll get no response. And if it's a hunter who doesn't realize what's being said other than he heard an elk, they're out of there. You know, sometimes they'll give a two or three more before they vacate. Some bulls, some cows, it depends how much pressure the area is seen. They, they can take more or they can take less. But you just want to be, be prepared as a hunter because you don't know how many times that bull's going to do that. I, my son shot a bull one day. I called this bull in using the advertising sequence. I heard this bull make one bugle, and about 25 minutes later, I called this bull. It actually was three bulls. They came in, and as the bull came in, Paul shot him at 15 yards. Well, the two bulls that were behind him took off running. That bull obviously ran. They all three took off, but all of a sudden, we can hear the bull pile up, and we knew he was down. I mean, he was probably no more than 100 yards from us, thick timber. One of the bulls stood there and barked, and he must have barked 50 times. Why? He wanted his buddy to get up and go. Let's get out of here. He was trying to get his attention. He, was, whoo, whoo. he just sat there and barked at him. I mean, you could tell it wasn't even echoing through the woods. He was barking at the ground, and he barked, and he barked, and he barked. And I had already killed the bull, so I, otherwise I could probably walked up there and killed that bull, uh, the second one. But <laughs> So we didn't want to bother him. And we just waited, and we waited, and we waited. And it was probably 15 minutes, but that bull literally barked 50 times until we finally actually threw some rocks from our position with some noise and stuff, trying to get him out of there. And, you know, we just didn't want to go make a big deal out of it and, and have him go blown out of there. And maybe that bull wasn't entirely dead, and he got up and took off with him. You just never right. know sometimes. But we knew that bull was just barking, 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 and standing in one position, never moved. Until he finally left, realizing he wasn't going to go. And I've watched cows do that over bulls we've killed, too. They'll stand right over them. I mean, within a foot of them and bark at them. Get up. Let's get out of here. Come on. Come on. You could tell it's just a, an emotional thing. And, and they get very excited over it and can't understand why he's not getting up and leaving with them. And, and knowing there's danger nearby, and, and that's really what they're trying to do. So, you know, barking comes in or a nervous grunt comes in so many different avenues. But it's a real solid sound that every hunter should learn with their voice, with a reed, or with a reed and a bugle, because it's 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 really the fastest, easiest way to to lock an elk up dead in their tracks. And to me, that's one of the biggest uh, things for it is if you have a 12-inch opening and as the elk comes through and you hit him with that sound, he freezes right there. There is no additional movement. And I mean, we've literally. Ryan, we've killed over 40 bulls, probably closer to 50, where that's the last sound they ever heard. And it, it, it's that effective. We have used cow sounds, don't get me wrong, but they're not, not nearly as effective or abrasive or loud as, as the nervous grunt. Right. And so it just makes a big difference for us, and we usually rely on that sound more than we would another to stop an elk or make him make another move or two or bring him back. I think I told the story a while back where I had, I jumped a bull out of his bed, didn't even know he was there. And he ran at 35, 40 yards and went off to the left in the brush. And as soon as I seen him, I was like, oh, I didn't know he was there. I just bumped right. into him. And I hit him with that nervous grunt fast as I could and hit him with a second one. And he walked right back out. 
he walked he was very nervous but he walked right back out and i ended up killing that bull right there and so you know it's little things like that i could have cow called i could have done all but see cow calling doesn't ask for an action or 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 a visual or you know just not asking him anything i'm not saying it would have never walked out with a cow call but i've done it with a cow call in the past without very good results and, and and maybe it's you know a balancing act there 50 50 20 80 who knows but the nervous grunt just kicks buck but and i have nothing but success with that sound over and over and over and over no matter the situation and so it's really the one that we key in on and rely on and when you're when you're under pressure ryan you have to understand especially uh, a lot of different elk hunters who haven't killed a lot of elk it's when you have your mind already made up and your decision is solid in your head, if I ever get in this situation, this is what I'm going to do. It's not like you have two or three three things to decide on. Which one's going to be best here? You don't want to do that. Just make the, the or nervous grunt the one you always use no matter what. And right. that's what we do. We use it no matter what. And it's not like we're trying to figure out if we should use something else. And, 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 and I think, you know, that's, it happens a lot of things in life. If you're golfing, you're getting ready to do something on a nervous drive. And it's my thumbs, right? Is my finger, is my hold, am I thinking, don't hit the water? You know, you go through so many stupid things in your mind and you end up messing up. And so if you can just keep one thing in this case, it's the nervous grunt to stop an animal or to make him come out that those last few yards, always make that your one and only sound that can accomplish that goal. And it's just a good thing. It, it it means you aren't looking at seven pins on your site and hoping you're picking the right one in crunch time at the distance because <laughs> you get rattled. And that's why I only use three pins. That's one of the biggest reasons. That's what I have it, it isn't because I can't see four, five, six, and seven. It's because I've been screwed up early on in my hunting career where you just get excited. You just do. And you're looking at all your pins and the elk's at 30. And yeah, you should be picking your second pin. We know that. But sometimes it's just like, man, I'm going to put three pins on them. I know it's right in there. And you let go. And the next <laughs> thing you know, you miss the elk completely. And right. so that's why I use three. I know I'm 20, 30, 40, and I can shoot 50 with that one. I know where to, I know where to hold 40. I know where to hold it on 45 or 50 because I practice it. But it makes the decision-making nowhere near as confusing and right. it's the same by using that nervous grunt. I try to use that for everything, and it has never let me down. It just really does not let me down. Now, if an elk sees you or smells you, and it's leaving the area, and you're trying to use it, it's not going to be very effective. I mean, they're not stupid. You, right. This is more of a situation where you're still selling them that you're something or you're an elk right there, and they don't know, you know, they're not aware of what you are yet, and that's how you convince them right, right there that you're one of them. So, so, Paul, this is my glass half empty question. Uh, what if you have that 12 inch window and you miss it and his butt stops in that 12 inch window? Uh, what's your next step? Do you just wait till the next window, see if he'll walk out? Because by this time he knows where you're at. He's probably looking for you or thinking of something to do if you miss that window what's next because uh you know i've i've heard you i've heard you talk about this and that's like i said the glass half empty mentality yeah, because i've is. thought about it before going i've well, never missed miss that the, window what if i miss the window <laughs> i've never missed it no you've never missed it not one time ever never and i don't know <sighs> if my son ever missing it no you see him coming 
and you do like it. Follow them a hundred. Oh, it locks them up. I mean, it freezes them in an instant. And you have to understand too, how many times is that window like that? You know, so many times. It, it's bigger. All, I'm, all I'm mentioning is, in case of there's a window, you make it sound right. like like I'm hitting that window yearly all the time. No, <laughs> not at all. It's just once in a great while that can happen. Okay. And and yes, it can freeze them right there. In more cases than not, there's more than just that window. But right. in case that's all there is, I have to time my sound. And I can do it from experience. You see what I mean? Because right. I've been there so many times. I know what it does to them. So I know as soon as I see their vitals, it's not like leading a shot and it says as soon as I see their head, I have to give it. And by the time they hear it and act, react to it they'll stop just right it's not like that when they hear it bam they lock right up right there i've had them moving quick when i give it to them and they're just kicking dirt with their front hooves they're stopping so fast and hardly ever i mean hardly ever do they keep moving not even another foot nothing they just boom remember they're not running they're coming right. into a call they're coming in and they're looking so they're actually walking walking they're looking they're scanning you know, so you have to understand when an elk, when an elk is that close to you, usually it's already thinking it should see something, and so it's not on a sprint, but it could be, you know, if it's coming by a shooter that fast. But man, it just stops them on a dime. You just okay. have once you start seeing it happen once or twice, you won't believe how effective it is. It's just okay. crazy good, and, and and so it makes it easier to have the confidence to use it. When the chips are down and you know that's your one and only sound, it's it's the one that you have to rely on. So it, it's like anything else. Once you build confidence in your shot and your shot distance and you know your effective range, it's the same right. thing with that sound right there. You know when to use it and when not to use it. Yeah, if it's too thick in there, you don't want to stop them because there's really no shot in an area. No way. Don't use it. Wait till they clear. You know, wait till you have the the upper hand there and you can make something happen. You need the avenue to get that arrow through it. You have to have it. So you you have to wait to use it. Even if they just completely walk out and there's no shot area in there. I've had to do that. I've just watched elk walk right through. I if I stopped them, that's wonderful. I'm looking at them, but there's no shot. Right. Because of the brush, debris, downfall, whatever there's there. Limbs. And and that can happen, you know, it's just part of elk hunting. Yep. No, awesome. That's that's great. That answers my, uh, I guess, my question of, you know, being worried that you're going to stop at the wrong time or they're going <laughs> to step through and it can happen. I'm sure. <laughs> but they but they stop on a dime and now I can look at the glass half full. Paul, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and then next time you you get into that spot. You'll probably stop behind something and then you'll tear me apart. <laughs> you know, but well, that's just a lot of it is when you're giving that sound, you know, and in most cases, when I'm giving that sound, the elk is I'm right on top of him. You know, right. he's usually not no 50 yards away. It'll work at 50 yards. It'll work at 150 yards if you give it loud enough. Seriously, way out there. They'll stop on a dime. So if you're rifle hunting and they're 150, 175 and you can blast that through your tube, it will stop them right there to give you a look. I mean, just solid as a rock and and you can, you know, anchor down on them. And so it's not just a close proximity thing. It's just that I'm a mostly a bow hunter here. And so in most situations, the elk that are coming in and I'm talking about bulls because I'm not shooting cows. I'm letting them walk. Then, you know, that bull is just usually right there. And like I had, we mentioned before, our average shot is 23 yards. So 
most of these elk are somewhere in there. You know, they might want some are hair further, some a lot closer, but that's the average. So you have to take that into consideration too, that, that a lot of these bulls are just right there. And right. so they hear is pretty good. And when they hear it, man, they just stop right there. And once they do, you're usually at full draw and it don't take but a split second to let that arrow go. You're not trying to dial in at 50 yards here. Right. No, awesome. No, thank you, Paul. That's hey, no problem. good stuff tonight.